Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 24 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today I get to talk with Tommy's mom, Meredith. You may remember Tommy's mom from the Messages of Hope episode right around Christmas time. During that episode, Meredith tells the story of going into a store around Christmas time and seeing clipboards for sale. On one of these tiny clipboards, they gave an example on what you might use it for. The example was a letter to Santa uh, asking for a blue, a little blue bike for Christmas. It was signed, Love Tommy H. It struck Meredith that it did not just say Love Tommy, but very specifically, Love Tommy H. After asking the store owner why, He used Tommy H. He said he didn't know. So she just felt like it was a sign for her and her family. On today's episode, we really delve into what her family was like and how her world was rocked after Tommy went from being a healthy two-year-old boy to having a little pain in his neck to having died from a brain tumor only six days later. We talk quite a bit about theology in this episode and how these experiences of the deaths of our children have changed so much of what we thought about God and how we thought we knew God. We certainly don't claim that our opinions are somehow right and other people's are wrong, but hopefully this can give a little bit of insight to people who are having doubts and frustrations. In addition, please go to the website today, andysmom.com, or visit the Facebook page because Meredith put together an amazing video of Tommy. In that video, you can hear him laugh and hear him sing and see a little bit of their family and what it was like before Tommy died. so much, Meredith, for agreeing to share Tommy's story with us today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and just start telling us about Tommy. Okay. Um, My husband and I have four children. Um, Jack is our oldest, and then Will is our second, and Tommy is our third, and Catherine is our fourth, and um, Thomas was born on November 9th of 2015. Um, We relocated when I was 37 weeks pregnant with Thomas, and he came right on his due date. Um, And from the very beginning, he was just kind of your easy third child. He was, you know, the third boy in our family, and um, I just put him in that ergo from the very beginning, and we went on our adventures with the other boys, 
in the snow and the sunshine. We were always outside together. Um, I would say that Tommy's life, when I think about his life here, was marked with adventure and sort of wonder. Um, as we, in the winter, we would go sledding and um, just play outside and make snowmen. And in the summer, we were, we live in this wonderful neighborhood full of kids. And um, they're always playing outside from sun up until sundown. Everybody's just outside running around. And so you could often t- find Tommy in the summertime with just his diaper on and um, scootering as fast as he could to catch up with the big boys and um, bouncing a basketball like he was five when he was just one and a half that last summer that he was here. And um, and I can just remember just adventurous things like like we would catch this frog every day and we would put him in our little blue baby pool and he would hop around and we would find lily pads for him and then eventually he would hop off and then we would catch him again the next day and that's just kind of what their lives were like um, for most of Tommy's life. In the winter we would do crafts and make volcanoes and um, play with slime, make slime and make Play-Doh and Tommy was just always really into those things. He um, was a lot like his oldest brother, Jack, who he really looked up to. Um, He was kind of up for whatever we were doing. So if we were doing crafts, he was in. And if we were playing basketball, he was in. And if we were racing cars or trucks around, he was in. But I would say that his very favorite thing were cars and trucks. Mm -hmm. So in the summer, we would set up these little ramps outside or draw a chalk road and he would race his little cars along those and then we would set up ramps down the steps all the way down the steps and he just loved that he was definitely um, our most independent child at that point um, where he would just be very satisfied to be playing in the basement with cars Mm -hmm. on his own Mm -hmm. Um, it seems very much like my third. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Must be a thing about being a third. Yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty easygoing in general. Yeah. We always said, we always joked that um, Catherine needed Eric and Andy needed me and Peter just didn't need anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It was to a certain extent, but we've since learned that who Peter needed was Andy. Oh, so yeah. that's been. So, and I think mm-hmm. that you could probably say that too. He yeah. probably. Didn't need you guys and seemed more independent, but yeah. he probably needed Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Jack was definitely his buddy. So um, another thing that he really loved were books. And um, he had this sense of humor and this ability to know um, the type of books that my husband and I would like and gravitate towards the really funny ones or kind of the more adult humor ones. And he would pick those up and bring those to us and want us to read those to him more often than some of the others. He just, I can remember him sitting at his bookshelf and um, just pouring over these different books like he was so much older than he was and then carefully deciding which of the few that he would pick for us to read to him each night. And um, that's funny. He loved the Little Blue Truck books and he loved this book called Secret Pizza Party and had almost every word to it memorized. And um, 
he loved this book called Going on a Bear Hunt. And my husband would often come home from work and chase him around the house and say that he was a bear and tickle him. And Tommy would just roar with laughter over that. Um, That reminds me of the video I got to see that hopefully I will get to have others be able to see. But he had a great laugh. He did. I loved that laugh. Like a belly laugh. Yeah, he just... Had a really good laugh. And he also had another side where he, you knew what kind of a mood he was in. His eyes were very um, telling. So he, my uh, mother-in-law would always say he had these very dark eyes. So if he was upset about something, he really just let you know. No, but equally, he was very full of laughter and delight when um, something that he really enjoyed would happen. So That's fun. Um, he... To describe how he looked, he was this little two-year-old boy with blonde hair. I had three blonde boys, and he had these big blue eyes, and he had this cowlick in the same place that I have a cowlick. And um, my husband would always say he had the most kissable cheeks, just these really big, soft, invite-you-in-to-kiss-them cheeks. And when he would run, he would run like he was a penguin, like waddling kind of run, (laughs) you know, like a toddler tends to do. Um, but so fast. Yes. He wanted to keep yeah. Brothers, <laughs> he thought right? he was so fast. Right. Yeah. He had these little light up shoes. That he would oftentimes just run around in his diaper and those light up shoes only mm-hmm. back and forth in the basement. And yeah, I know with my third one again, I just feel this, I could see these thirds together, but you know, yeah. when, how I convinced Peter to be potty trained was I told him that if he didn't have a diaper on anymore, underwear, he could be so much faster. Oh, <laughs> that's a good strategy. It worked great. I, I literally had him switch to underwear and I timed him running through and I made such a huge deal out of how much quicker he was. Mm. And that was like it. Yeah. He was he was set. He was going to be potty trained from then on out. So he's my earliest by far. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was. Yeah. That's a good way to mm. get those uh, yeah. kids like that. <laughs> They just want to be as good as their older siblings. Yeah. Yeah. He he really, you know, when Catherine came along, he developed kind of a relationship with her. But he had this these relationships with his brothers that were very individual to each, you know, one of his siblings, where Jack was like his buddy and they did a lot of things together. And then William was there only 22 months apart. And so they were just always like wanting the same car and wanting the same ball and just sort of at each other a lot but in a playful way and then Mm -hmm. with Catherine he um you know he only knew her for three months um but he was um just very aware of all the things that she was doing Mm -hmm. he would tell me baby's eyes open or baby's eyes closed and he had the hardest time remembering that she was a she or a her because he had always just been around boys. So everything was, I want to hold him. I want to hold him or, (laughs) or his eyes are open or, you know, just always calling her him. So that was something that we were working working on. on. Yeah. So he loved to hold her. And, um, and then I was just going to say too, that some of the things that he really loved also were, um, he, you could always find him with a blankie in his hands or in his mouth. He would chew on the corners of the blankie. He would always sleep with a blankie. And if we got in the car and we did not have a blankie in the car and we were a mile down the road, we would turn around and go back and get the blankie because that was just like 
his thing. They were yeah. strewn all over the house all the time, always oh, on the ground. Of them? Yes. So not just one. Oh, no. Tons. No. Yeah. I mean, okay. he had his favorite, but he would go for any of them as long as he had one with them. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, he had this just a great appetite for really specific things, but he loved donuts. So um, my husband started this thing when we relocated where our neighbor would always take his kids up to get a donut um, and every Saturday. And so my husband started doing that with our boys. And so he just loved that. He would eat these bird's nest donuts with the icing in the middle and the little sprinkles. And he would pick them, pick the sprinkles off one by one and put them in his mouth or... Um, he loved blueberries and he would eat green beans cold out of a little cup as a snack in the afternoon. So some oh, interesting. odd, some odd How things. How exactly that he did really that start, <laughs> mom? <laughs> I have no idea. That was just like a go-to for him. Somehow that just became a go-to, but he, he also loved pancakes and, um, he loved Sunday afternoon breakfasts. So he had, you know, just a great little appetite and um the last thing I'll say about Tommy is um he liked to sing as you mm-hmm. saw in the video of him he yes. knew um here I am to worship and light of the world which he belted out with all of his might and um my husband would sing um it as well to him at bedtime and he would say he would request it and he would say can you sing peace like a river <laughs> <laughs> And um, I sang to him, he's got the whole world in his hands every night. And um, he wanted me to name each person in our family as I would sing that. Grandparents and aunts and uncles and everybody. Um, and then he he knew the Michigan State fight song and he knew the Michigan fight song oh, at both. age two. Oh, yes. interesting. Because we have some people in our family that root for Michigan and some that root for Michigan State. But now he would tell you any time that he roots for Sparty. Mm-hmm. at any game so even to the point where one time this lady came in our house and she had this uh, Michigan shirt on and she walked in the door and he pointed at her and he said yucky <laughs> yeah. so we we knew, knew I, where he stood with most things I feel like Andy had said to somebody boo blue instead of go blue <laughs> one time <Yeah. laughs> which is now ironic because now Catherine is going to oh, go to yeah. Michigan so I imagine if he would still be alive, he would be saying boo blue to her. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's hard to fully describe Tommy. Know, and- that's what I love, though, about being able to do this because that's, you know, I love our kids are so much more than what happened to them. Yeah. So much more than they that. Are. And I feel like a lot of times that's the box they get put into. Right. Is. Oh, you know, he's the kid that was killed in the car accident right. or whatever. You know, our family is the one who lost their middle son. Nope. We yeah. are way more than that. Right. And so to be able to share Tommy mm-hmm. and who he was and really in his two years, mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if he lived to be 45 mm-hmm. or he lived to be two or he lived to be four months. You still knew them right as individuals right and to be able to share that and want that to go on yeah is big yeah. yeah yeah well thank you for letting me have an opportunity to share oh, him that's so. right yeah, absolutely so now we will go into uh, what happened with Tommy 
Um, so we were in this really beautiful season of life. We had decided that we were finished having children and, um, we were starting this next chapter of our lives as a family of six. And, um, we had decided after years and years of talking about it to sort of dedicate our lives to missions and to, um, be part of Bible translation. And on March 1st, we sort of officially made that decision and then um everybody was just we were excited about this next opportunity in this next chapter and how old were all your kids then so jack was five and will was four and tommy was two years and four months and Catherine was three months old so Mm -hmm. four kids in five years so (laughs) we were ready to you know start this next phase of our lives Mm -hmm. um But then on March 23rd, it was a Friday, we were um, playing in our living room, and Will and I were racing across the living room floor, which is carpeted, and we were, and I had Tommy on my back, and on all fours, crawling around like playing horsey. Mm -hmm. And as we were racing back and forth, Tommy slipped off of my back and fell onto the ground, and just a little tumble. And he grabbed the back of his neck, and he was very verbal, so he said immediately, my neck is hurting me. And Uh he started to cry. And um, so it only lasted for a couple of minutes, and then we just sort of went about our day and um, played and just did our normal things. And then that evening, on Friday evening, he um, said that it was hurting him again, and I gave him a warm bath, and then he went to bed. And the next morning he woke up and um, he was feeling really bad again and then he threw up and um, the stomach bug was going around and we knew some people that we had just recently been playing with that had the stomach bug and so um, we thought that it was just that but we took him to the doctor just in case to like the walk-in clinic on Saturdays and um, we just had him checked out because he did have this little fall and was saying that his neck was hurting and so they you know did a little exam on him and made sure that he didn't have a concussion and sent us home and said that he just probably has a little stiff neck and a stomach bug like everybody else had and that afternoon he did an easter egg hunt in our neighborhood and he um he played and at dinner he ate more mac and cheese than his oldest brother for dinner and he seemed like he was doing better and then that night he um threw up again and he was holding his neck while he was throwing up and something just really didn't seem right so we called the doctor back and she said to call her in the morning if it still seemed that way and um so that night my husband slept in his room with him um and uh, he did sleep but then the next morning he just didn't have his appetite again and um, when he came downstairs and walked across our kitchen floor he was sort of off balance and we started to be concerned and called the doctor and said we're going to take him to the emergency room right now so we left our older boys with my in-laws and um, Catherine and Tommy and Ben and I went to the emergency room and um We told them what happened, and then they did some different tests, and then they did um, a CT scan, and it showed a little something at um, the top of his neck and that they said that they wanted to do an MRI for and um, just make sure that everything was okay. And so we waited in this waiting room, 
for a long time and um this woman came in and told us the unimaginable that he had a brain tumor and I can remember going to the window and just saying not Tommy not my Tommy not Tommy not my Tommy just over and over that's all I could say and this nurse came to me and said Jeremiah 29 11 for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord and I just knew he was going to be okay and so I um so we he was admitted and he was scheduled for a surgery and then that night and the next day he was um not doing well his he was in a lot of pain and um his brothers and his grandparents came up to see him, and um, I can remember Will gave, brought him this little dog and laid beside him, and Jack was very nervous and very anxious, and so they didn't stay long. And that night, he um, seemed like he was doing a lot worse, and we just prayed and prayed that he would just make it to surgery the next morning. And um, in the middle of the night while I was holding him, he coded. So they took him into surgery. And we were very hopeful. Yeah. He came out, and we waited for him to wake up. We just knew that he was going to wake up. Yeah. We just knew that God was going to do a miracle, and that he would wake up. And we laid by his side, and we prayed over him. And people prayed for him all over the world. And... Friends and family came in his room and prayed scripture over him and loved him. And we had these moments of over the next day or two of he's going to be okay. He's going to wake up. And I can remember being at his bedside and saying, I will take you whatever way you come back. Just please come back. And he just didn't wake up. And so we stayed at the hospital. They did a <laughs> the final scan and it showed that he was brain dead. And we stayed because we wanted to donate his organs. We met this wonderful woman from Donate Life. and We got to know her and her story and she got to know Tommy and he ended up donated his um, kidney and his pancreas to a 34-year-old man and his wow. liver to a seven-month-old little boy. And, um, and then we did what I never thought I would ever do is we walked out of the hospital without him. Yeah. My dad had come up a couple days before and said, you know, why don't you take a break and... You could go home and take a shower. And I said, I'm not leaving here without my baby. And then we had to leave there without our baby. 
was the hardest thing ever. I know. But we had some really beautiful um, time while we waited for his organs to be able to be donated. And um, they put Catherine, who was with us at the hospital the whole time, they put her on his lap. And we got to hold her like he liked to do one more time. <laughs> we got to just sit and hold him and love him for a really long time. That is nice to have that. So I, I wanted to um, sort of describe what the first couple of weeks felt like. Yeah. Um, so there's all these ideas of what that might feel like. I wanted to do my best to see if I could describe what that was like. Um, everything moved really quickly for Tommy where, um, that Friday was good Friday and we wanted to have his visitation then. And it was just a day after we had left the hospital. It felt really important with Easter there to have this like time of sadness and then his funeral the next day, um, to remember the hope that we have that he is still alive very much alive and so we decided to do it that way and um so he's he had his funeral on on this saturday Saturday. before easter Mm -hmm. yep and the visitation was on that friday and his funeral at his funeral um they played it as well which his dad used to sing to him and um the minister um is the headmaster at our kids school and he gave our kids these tulip bulbs and he said Tommy was in his casket in front of them and he said um just as these tulip bulbs are buried in the ground as Tommy's gonna be buried in the ground and then he brought out a bouquet of tulips and said and Tommy's fully alive with Christ and that was a really beautiful analogy for us but At the end, I can remember that we stood together and held hands with all of our extended family and all of our friends and sang, to God be the glory now and forever, now and forever, amen. And I just wanted to stay in that moment forever. I just didn't want anybody to leave. I wanted him to be there still with us, even if it wasn't in the way I wanted him to be. It was like we were all still in that room together and I just didn't want to leave that minute and then he was buried a couple of days later and when my husband and I came home from burying him I laid down on the couch and looked outside and just felt like I just wanted to die I just wanted so badly to be with him And we had these three other young children at home. I just didn't know how we would do it. Um, well, and you I, were such a fun, active mom, too, with them. And I was. Yeah. I didn't know how I would ever be the fun mom how again. How I would be that again. Yeah. And then I remember one time... Um, it was really hard for me to go down to the basement and see any of his toys or just be around that for a long time. And then one day I decided to go down there. And when I first got down there, I saw this 
little school bus that he used to play with and there were these two little guys that were in the school bus. It looked like Tommy had just left for a little bit and he was just going to come back and play. It was just so like it wasn't supposed to happen like that. No. It was just so unfinished. It was like that was the point where I think I really realized like he's not ever coming back and nothing is ever going to be the same. I think your mind wants to convince you that it isn't real. Right. Just because it's so horrible mm. that it, I think it just was like, it's just not really happening. It's yeah. not really happening in order to make you not just completely fall into a heap and not be able to get back up again. Right. Right. It's almost that little bit of denial that keeps on coming up all the time is the only way you can keep going every day. Right. I feel like if the huge, if the heaviness of the reality of the whole situation was always there, right? I couldn't get up. No, no, no. And your mind also does this thing where you replay the situation in a million different ways, a million different times, and try to solve it in your mind. And in every other situation in life, you can. Right. You, you pretty much can fix it. And this is Not so possible. final. You yeah. can't fix it. And so we spent our days after he died. Um, I went up to his room every day and I sat where he would sit at his bookshelf and uh, read his books to him and had a picture of him in front of me and wept just read his books over and over and wept and our kids we didn't hide our tears from our kids we did cry with them they cried um once they understood that he wasn't coming back you know they didn't get to say goodbye to him um and so that was really hard to watch a four and five year old process what that uh was like and then to know that our three-month-old was never going to know him or have any memories of him and so we wrote down in a journal every single thing that we could possibly remember doing with him everything about him everything that he looked like everything that he said his little mannerisms and his quirks and every day for six months we just wrote in that journal all of us just added to it every day so that we wouldn't forget that's awesome yeah we read that to them now and um and they have you know started to forget they're six and seven now and Catherine is two almost the same age that he was when he died um but I'm glad that we did that because it it keeps all of our memories fresh of him Um, it keeps him more alive to them right It's funny, you, um, I really was thinking a lot about um, when you were talking about all that singing and when you were praying and praying and praying. And I feel like certainly when Andy died, I've never prayed harder mm-hmm. than I have on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And I think of that song that's out right now, even if, you know that song, mm-hmm. when, you know, it's talking about how God can reach through the fire. Mm-hmm. 
and take it all away and make it all go away. But even if he, even if you don't, my hope is still in you. Mm-hmm. And I think about that all the time, and I change the words in my head from even if to even when because mm-hmm. that is what happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. God could have saved him. Right. But he didn't. Right. And but our hope still has to be in God. Yeah. And I also think about that song because it always it ends with singing saying it as well with my soul. Yeah. And, and I had a very hard time with that song for a very long time because yeah. I felt like it is not, not well, well with my, my soul. No. My soul is not well. Right. Um, so. Yeah. Anyway, it's interesting that you say that because that song had just came out um, right before Tommy died and we would sing it in the car. And then um, when he was in the hospital, we played that over and over and over. And actually in his um, bulletin at his funeral, we printed the words to that song yeah. because that's how we felt yeah i i feel very strongly about that song yeah. so yeah yeah i think that was another thing that just was really hard to reconcile in our minds in addition to um our son dying so quickly when he was this full it was of just over a couple days over right? the course of six days yeah. yeah um for him to go from being this like little boy that was always running around full of energy, never sick, never showing any signs to gone so quickly. Um, and you know, we had just decided to do this missions work. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you do, when you sign on for something like that, you sort of think that God will put this extra hedge of protection around you and your family. Yep. And because you're going to go and do his work right for the kingdom. And then exactly the opposite happened. And peop- I feel that way a little bit, too, because, mm. you know, people thought we were crazy. We took in this Guatemalan refugee mm. in kidney failure mm. and to do all of this stuff. Mm. And everyone under the sun, you know, with the was saying, this is a miracle. You've been part of a miracle. Mm. You've been doing this. And, you know, and and I did feel like in some ways we were really the part of a miracle. Yeah. I mean, he would be dead. Yeah. And God worked everything out perfectly perfectly mm-hmm. like everything that had to be we got him within days of you know I mean it was just thing after thing after thing mm-hmm. God just made it work and I got to the point where where there would be an obstacle in the way and I would say I would not even at all be worried because I knew God was going to work it out mm-hmm. because God had been working yeah. it out and so then even when we're on the side of the road and I come to and they're doing CPR on my son still no they're gonna get him back because <laughs> this is not happening to me right you know i he's gonna be okay mm-hmm. i mean i turned to my husband and said is he gonna be okay but i'm thinking to myself of, of course, course he's gonna be okay of course but he wasn't right he never was again but it's it's and it's and it seems like petty and selfish to think about it that way but in some ways you're like no i did a lot for you mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm doing a lot for you you did this for me, right? Right. And you worked everything else, everything else out, and all these other circumstances. Mm-hmm. You can do this too, right? So I guess that's why that song means so much to me, yeah. Because I didn't, yeah. But I couldn't lose hope, right? Yeah, we we just really struggled with that, and um, you know, we spent our the first year and a half where we 
decided not to um, watch any television and not to drink and to really like read and think about why this might have happened to us and um, what was God trying to teach us. And um, we talked to a lot of like pastors and we went to different churches. We stopped going to the church that we had been going to and we went to these different churches. And I can remember going to this one church and they brought all the kids up front and the, the children's pastor said, um, you know, there was a situation where this lady who lived next door to us fell and had this horrible fall. And then my son prayed for her for six months. And they said that she wouldn't come home from the hospital and she would, you know, probably die. And then she, we prayed for her and prayed for her. And then she came home and I was so angry that my children were sitting up there. Go grab your kids and take them out. Right. Because sometimes it just doesn't work that way. Right. You it's can like pray that, like that movie that was out over Christmas a couple of years ago with the kid that fell through the ice and mm-hmm. they like prayed him back to life. Right. I tell you, I could not. Yeah. Like, There's no way I'm watching that movie. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Yeah. It just would make me angry. Right. <laughs> right. And I believe fully that God does heal yes. people sometimes. Yes. 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 But I, I, um, don't think if you just pray hard enough, cause that was not our circumstances. No, and that was not our, our kids were praying for. Tommy the whole time that he was in the hospital and then for them to hear that yeah I had at our church no it was last fall they had this Sunday they were trying to you know everyone had to do their pledges for the next year or something and somebody went up there and hit her his wife had had some medical problems through the summer and he pretty much said that she got through her medical problems and was fine because they tithed Mm. I thought, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, will say that I was... It's not because they tithe. Right. I mean, it's not like, I did this for you, God, so now you're going to do this for me. Right. It doesn't work that way. Right. It's not... Yeah. And I will say that I was guilty of this type of thinking, this sort of like prosperity gospel yes. thinking, like if you, like a Proverbs person where if you do this, then this will happen. I... I started reading a lot of books on prosperity gospel and, um, and my theology was just all wrong. Like for 35 years, it was all wrong. Yep. And, um, then we found this church and, um, the first Sunday that we went in Tommy's obituary, we wrote a verse out from Psalm 27 that said, I'm convinced that we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living wait on the Lord, be strong and take courage and wait on the Lord. And our first Sunday there, the minister preached from Psalm 27. Wow. And um, it was this really amazing sermon where he didn't have the answers to life's greatest mysteries. And um, he said that David was in this situation in that passage, in that whole passage where he had battle happening on one side and then he had this Um, conflict happening with his family and he said this one thing I ask that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and he um, the minister said you know prayer is a mystery we we pray for all these things and then we don't get what we pray for and could we let prayer the mystery of prayer remain a mystery 
And that was so good for me to hear that somebody didn't have any answers for what happened to yeah. Tommy. Yep. And so as we kept going back to this church, I just, I felt like our souls were just being fed by it's okay not to know because we wanted to know for so long. And yeah. people were telling us, you know, that this was God's will and that, um, you know, I just couldn't reconcile that the God that I knew and loved so much would put a brain tumor in a two-year-old's head and then watch him die. I just couldn't, I couldn't reconcile that. No. And so I eventually came through reading and through going to this church to a place where, and it's still an ongoing thing where I'm learning a lot more about God, but I believe, like Connor's mom said last week, uh, you know, God was there weeping with us. And that God created, I believe that God created Tommy to live a beautiful life. And he knew when he would die. He did know that in advance, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but he did not cause him to die. He was created for life and God is the author of life. And so, um, yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. I, I know in the beginning I was trying to really feel like there was a reason and things like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had lost my mom when I was pretty young, you know, she was only 42 years old and I was 21 and, and yet I was able to reconcile that as Mm -hmm. this was all in God's plan. Mm -hmm. This was God's timing. Mm -hmm. It was, and I was able to still live in a prosperity gospel kind of Mm -hmm. life. Yeah. And be okay with that. Mm. But then when it was my son, I just right. couldn't. It and, just doesn't work anymore. And what was so fortunate for me was that my pastor, I mean, I went in there, talked to him quite a bit at the beginning. Mm. And I would go in there and he would always say, no, God did not mm. cause this to happen. God is weeping beside you. Mm. He would say that to me like every single time mm. I went in. And that's exactly what I needed mm-hmm. because I had had too many years of feeling like there has to be a reason. There has to be a reason. Mm-hmm. This is all I needed to sort it out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's part of, I think, you know, me just being a physician, right? Yeah. you wanting to figure everything out and right. have an answer for everything. Right. And always knowing the answer. Yeah. And there just is no good answer right. for this. Right. Yeah, you know, I've taken a lot of comfort in the fact that Jesus himself, when he came to earth, is described as a man of many sorrows and acquainted with grief, well acquainted with grief. And, um, you know, I I sort of approached that whole first year of, um, you know, in this world you will have sorrow, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And I had, despite the unbelievable overwhelming grief when I look back at that first year and even still I feel like there has been this and I talked about it a little bit in your holiday um, episode but just like this veil between this life and the next being very thin and being able to because you're so focused on heaven and eternity and getting to see your boy again yeah It's like if you have eyes to see, 
then heaven is all around us. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I guess I could share a lot of different things about, you know, ways that we sort of saw God. But I would say the one that stands out the most to us is that this church. It was just on Mother's Day. You know, I know a lot of people talk about they don't they won't ever go back to church on Mother's Day after they lost a child. And something about that the second Mother's Day, I went to church. We went to church and um and the preacher spoke on Thomas in the Bible. And it was just this beautiful sermon on um how Thomas needed to touch Jesus's scars and to know that he was there and um, and that Thomas touched Jesus's most vulnerable places and then Jesus touched his in his doubt. And that message just was like it was written for me. And, you know, they didn't this new church didn't really know that much about Thomas. We kind of just sat in the back and cried and then left each Sunday. <laughs> and um, for that to be, and then they played it as well on, on Mother's Day. And then the kids got up and sang, he's got the whole world in his hands. Oh my goodness. So it was just like things like that. It felt like, you know, Thomas or God or whoever are working together and seeing our sadness and wanting us to know, you know, that it's so close, that heaven is, you know, we're almost home. And so, you know, when I feel really overwhelmed about, you know, it might, I might live for 50 more years without seeing Tommy again, I, I just don't know, you know, how to do it. But, um, but I think I, I, Jerry Sitzer talks in his book about, um, how your heart has the capacity to live with sorrow and joy at the same time. And mm-hmm. I didn't want, when I read that, it was pretty early on in my grief, just the first couple of months. And I didn't want to believe that. I wanted him to have this different message where there was like this silver lining or this great life that he ended up experiencing. And even in the um, verse that we chose for Tommy's obituary, that we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living, I really thought like the land of the living was going to be here. And that I was very hopeful that like God would make something amazing happen. Yeah. And then I realized like there is no redemption for losing your son and then living the rest of your life without your son. No. And so one of the things that I feel like lately that God has just really put on our hearts is like to walk towards the pain. Our pastor Mm -hmm. preached this sermon about it and it was just really like, my whole life I've been walking away from the pain and really afraid to be living in any kind of pain. Mm -hmm. And I was unaware of all these other people around me that were experiencing pain. And now it's like, I see them and they talk to me because of my experience Mm -hmm. with pain. And, um, I can find joy in days now. And, but, my heart can hold both. Like my heart can hold sorrow and joy, which I didn't think. Yeah. That was a real thing. Yeah. Because your heart's never going to not feel that sorrow. Yeah. Just, 
I don't, I don't think that that is possible for yeah. that to ever go away. Yeah. So in order for us to feel joy, we have to be able to feel them both at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And I feel like for me, for a while, it was like, I don't, I don't feel like I should feel joy. Yeah. Right. I should just always feel sadness. Right. So it's, um, it's a different kind of yeah. revelation to get to that too. Yeah. I think the only other one thing that I really wanted to talk about was like some really beautiful things that people have um, done to come alongside our family. Yeah. Um, we, so last November, so Tommy was born in November and died at the end of March. And so last um, November, I decided to start something at our house where we did a story time in honor of Tommy. And so mm-hmm. every week for those five months, and again this year, um, we pick three stories that we read with Tommy and then we do some sort of a craft that we did with Tommy and then we end with a donut which was Tommy's favorite yeah and you know I sort of started out thinking like I'm not sure who will come to this and like this is going to be really hard but I want to do it for Tommy so that people will know a lot of things about Tommy and like be able to experience them him and then people just showed up and they have continued to show up and there has not been one week where it's just been me and Catherine. It's been, you know, just a, an amazing, like, testament of people walking beside us and loving us through this and just showing up, showing their love, you know, almost two years later now and that they remember Tommy. And then... um you know, I just think about other people that have just been so consistent in their love for us. One of my friends had, who had a son that was, has a son that's Tommy's age, um, and they were little buddies. She started early on asking me memories about Tommy. And each time she would say something different, she would just send me these texts like, um, what is something funny about Tommy or mm-hmm what was something something that you remember him wearing or what kind of foods did he like? And then I would just have this opportunity to just share about him. And then I would share a picture and she just kept doing that. And she kept doing that. And then after the first year, I thought this is going to be, she's, she's going to be done. She's not going to ask me anymore. And so I'm just going to like gear up for it. And then she kept asking. Wow. And that has been really, that's such a huge blessing. Yeah. I, I feel like in my life, I've got great people in my life, I really do, but I, I don't feel like people want to talk about Andy very much yeah. at all. Yeah. They just don't want to get me upset. They don't want to, so they just, it's just a subject that's really avoided. Yeah. And, I, and this week is hard yeah. because um, this Saturday will be 18 months, mm. so, you know, a year and a half exactly, and, and that's a milestone not one person is going to think about and remember yeah right it's a big deal to me Mm -hmm. I mean to go start the second half of my second year Mm -hmm. it is weighing on me like wouldn't believe and it's hard because no one knows yeah right yeah Yeah. it's it is like I feel very fortunate and I you know just want to say thank you to people who have come and like shown up for us. Like my mom yeah. texts my husband and I every single day with a Bible verse. Every single day. She has not missed a day in almost two years. Mm-hmm. And that is like just really beautiful that she continues to do that to say, I haven't 
forgotten. I think every single day about Tommy and, um, and so, you know, I'm just really grateful for that. You know, we have tried to do as much as we can to, um, like share Tommy's life with other people and to have these different events, but, um, you know, just having other people come alongside us and walk with us. And, um, you know, for me, I'm, I've never been the type of person that could really put myself in somebody else's shoes and empathize with yeah. them to the mm-hmm. point of, you know, like really feeling what they feel. Yeah. And so I've just been so, but you do now blessed. Yes. Now I do, but I it it's my own experience now, you know, that's allowed me to like feel more pain, but there's people who, without experiencing that, have the ability to empathize and like cry when you're crying and, you know, just really even almost two years out, which isn't a lot for us, right? right. But it's it's a lot for people outside of the grief to yeah. and not having experienced it mm-hmm. to like, you know, just keep showing up. Keep so. showing up. Yeah. So that's exactly right. And that's what, it's a good message to anyone listening who wants to support someone. Yeah. It's just to keep showing up and keep showing up and keep showing up and send those little text messages, those little reminders about, you know, thinking about Tommy today or remembering the food truck or the school bus used to play with or something, you know, something specific, a little memory. Mm -hmm. Those are so, so precious to us. Yeah. Um, in a way that you wouldn't have expected. Right. Right. And they are giving that message to me too, in that they are willing to walk towards the pain and not go away from it. Yes. And so that gives me courage that, you know, this life is not what I thought that it was going to be anymore. And I'm never going to be able to make it that way. But I do have an ability now to see people in their pain like I couldn't before and, um, to walk towards them instead of being afraid. Yes. So that's going to be our theme for the day. I think is being okay. Walking towards the pain because most people are not. Yeah. And I think culturally in society, you don't, right. You always walk away from the pain, avoid the pain, anything but the pain. Yeah. Um, but that's not the way it can be sometimes. Yeah. I mean, we can't escape this pain. Right. So if you can't escape it, it's better to walk willingly towards it yeah. than to try to run away from something that you can't run from. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, I do want to thank you so much for agreeing to be on. I certainly hope to be able to get that video either up on the website. I think I should be able to do it to Facebook for sure. Yeah. But I'm going to try to get that video up because Tommy, I want you all to be able to see him and hear him laugh (laughs) and hear him sing Mm. and see this amazing video (laughs) that Meredith put together because, I mean, get out the Kleenex because it made me cry for sure. (laughs) Well, I wanted to say thank you to you too because, um, you know, a a child bereavement counselor told me, um, and this was like life changing to me. She said that you will always parent Tommy. You will always parent him. And so all of these things that I do and that we do as a family are to continue 
parenting him in a different way, but until we get to see him again, you have to do something, right? Yeah. And um, just like I'm always Andy's mom. Right. You're always Tommy's mom. Yes. And so I think that this, what you're doing in remembering Andy and inviting other people into that, you're allowing people to continue to parent their children and you are continuing to parent Andy. And it's something I get to do with him. Yeah. I get to do with this with him every single week. Yeah. So thank you again. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.